Maya back again, guys. I have one more update for y'all. My Take now has a Patreon. I'm trying to expand the My Take community and also expand my earnings a little bit by creating a Patreon. We have three tiers, and in the top tier, we're actually starting a My Take book club. So anybody who joins, we're going to be reading a book together a month, and there's going to be monthly live streams and Discord benefits. So I'd really, really, really appreciate it if you could go check it out. The link is in the show notes. Hey guys, it's Maya, and I just wanted to jump on here and promote my takes Instagram really quick because we're doing a lot of fun things. I'm doing more posts, more stories, and I also have to say I've started a new series called The Bottom Shelf, and it's video reviews, IGTV video reviews, and I think they're super fun, and they're all on the Instagram, so go follow my take on social media and specifically on Instagram at underscore my take. Y'all, Ted Lasso is back it is one of my absolute all-time favorite shows which is insane to think about because it only came out in 2020 and usually when I think about favorite shows I think about shows I watched like a while ago and usually it like takes time you know for a show to get up in that like upper echelon of your favorite shows but no this one jumped straight into it I've desperately been awaiting the release of season two and it's finally here and of course Apple TV had to release them one by one By the time a lot of us got to Ted Lasso season one, it was all out so we could binge it. And it's a very bingeable show too, which helps. But season two, they released it one by one and I was like, no, because I didn't want to wait. I just wanted to watch it all in one go. It did kind of like give me the space to make a ritual of it because it came out. Well, it came out 9 p.m. Thursday night for me because I live on the West Coast, but it's like the official drop date was Friday, so I made it like a Friday morning thing. I would do my laundry, and I would watch Ted Lasso, so it was very good. Obviously, the show pulled on my heartstrings, and more than one episode made me cry at multiple points during the episode, so if that doesn't tell you anything, I don't know what will, and like, I just, I can't wait for season three now after seeing everything that they've done with season two, and it's just... Oh, it's so good, and I'm so excited to get to, like, talk about it and to, like, rewatch seasons one and two, because now I have two seasons to rewatch. Oh, it's so good. Speaking of two seasons, this episode is going to be coming to you in two parts, part one today and part two next week, uh, because I was writing this and planning this, and I realized that it took me two hours to plan this episode, and my doc was, like, eight pages or something eight or nine pages so I was like well I can't really do that in one sitting because it would probably be two hours and my voice would go to hell so I'm going to talk about some of it today a lot of it next week we're going to figure it out two parts but I'm just so jazzed and excited to be here books tv music and movies all things that make a big impact on everyone I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who will listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. Okay, so clearly Ted Lasso is not a book, so there's no writing to talk about, so we're just going to start with all of my little, like, favorite things from seasons past that are now back and all of just like the little favorite things that I love to see in this season starting with Arlo White 
We live for Arlo White. He is the best commentator NBC has. Sorry, Graham Lasso. Sorry, Lee Dixon. Um, Arlo White is the best. It is funny. I saw one of the um, on Twitter. Basically, Arlo White does these like really, really in depth like commentating analyses on these players. Like, if you look on Arlo White's Twitter, you see what I mean. He has all these sticky notes and highlights and this and that. And they did one for like a Richmond game. I think from season one and like one of the players was made up like the name was like Lee Lasseau or something or Graham Dixon like it was a combination of like his other two main commentating partners names which was really funny but it's not super soccer realistic because Arlo White would never commentate for the championship but I live for the fact that they brought him back. We see Higgins moving his office around a bunch and like I don't have a dedicated Higgins section which I should, I feel like that's kind of criminal, but it's like Higgins is just the character that's always there and he's always giving out the best advice and I love him and I live for him, but I just had to throw in like all my Higgins appreciation up front because I'm not actually going to go like in depth and talk about him and his arc. Ted has one giant piece of cereal and doesn't blink an eye, which is a callback to one of the early episodes in season one. He like pours out cereal and it's like one giant piece and he's like, what? Why is there no more cereal? And now he's just like pouring out his one piece of cereal and it's like a thing. Uh, all of the journalists in the first one, Trent Krim stands up and he goes, Trent Krim in the entire journal room goes, The Independent. Love that. And we will talk about Trent Krim because I have some feelings about Trent Krim and what they're doing to his character. Higgins makes another pun that brings Ted bursting through a door. Like in season one, he goes, Caesar, you later. And Ted like bursts through the door really aggressively. And then in this one... I can't remember what the pun is, but, it, like, Ted does the same thing, and I was like, oh, my God, season one callback. I love that. The writers do a really good job of balancing callbacks to season one and to jokes and things that we love, but also not making it that the show is just built on callbacks, right? Like, it would be one thing if the show was built on callbacks and they kind of were lazy with season two, but they totally weren't. Season two has its own storyline its own things like a million beautiful things that we are going to discuss but also they do a decent amount of fan service with like calling back stuff we love from season one so I appreciate that the crown and anchor boys yelling at bake-off had me dead I feel like one of them says like temper your chocolate you fucking twat or something like it's just so funny and I love it so much Roy says whistle because his mouth is sensitive to metal so he can't use an actual whistle so he just goes around saying whistle 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 and it cracked me up every time. The oi wanker guy is back and he sees Ted and he's like oi wanker merry christmas and speaking of christmas the dentist from the christmas episode is at can i get a ussie's house so like we love that can i get a ussie guy is back also just the christmas episode and the Christmas episode intro specifically, like, that everybody was in it. I was so mad when we went back to the old intro. I was like, why can't you just put everybody in the actual intro? Because everybody was in the Christmas intro, and it was so amazing and beautiful. Speaking of the intro, I live for the intro. I've been listening to a lot of the Ted Lasso soundtrack because besides the intro song, it's all instrumental. So I've been listening to a lot of that to do homework. It's a very good, like, oh my god, people are talking in my dorm and I need quiet so we're not quiet because clearly I'm listening to music but I need like something to kind of block shit out so I will put on the Ted Lasso soundtrack and it's great I love it and now I like know all the words to the intro song too so I'm like singing along every time it comes on in the episode if you skip the intro 
I can't live with you. Like, the intro is one of the best parts of Ted Lasso, and Ted Lasso is just so iconic and amazing. Anyways, oh my god, the Hamilton reference. Can I be real a second? Forget my meal a second. Put down your beer and tell your buddy how you feel a second. Oh, I, I, I realized that was happening. I was like, <gasps> Ted Lasso and Hamilton are combining. And then Lynn on Twitter replied, and he's like, football is life with a bunch of heart emojis. So good. So, so, so good. Sassy Smurf is back, and she becomes a bigger part of the season, so hopefully we'll see more of her in season three and see where her arc goes, and, like, maybe she'll be a bigger, more recurring character instead of just popping up once or twice here and there. We get to see more of the players' relationships, which is great. I love the deep dive that we get into, like, more of the players. I feel like with season one, it's so heavily focused on Roy and Jamie, and so now we're actually getting to see more of, like, Sam being built out and... Colin being built out and Isaac being built out and we're getting to actually like see more of the players and their relationships and that's great because at the end of the day it is about the team and it is about the players so we love that obviously the fact that it's an inclusio again with the start and the end so with the first season it was Rebecca the second season it's Nate so obviously next season it's going to be Ted right like that's the consensus is we're going with Ted next season I mean, we'll all know when season three kicks off, everybody's going to be like, if it's Ted, we know where it's going. But I love the inclusio and, like, just the juxtaposition between Nate at the beginning and Nate at the end. Like, oh, my God. And the biscuits. Obviously, the biscuits. I'm mostly mentioning the biscuits because, like, we knew, obviously, the biscuits were going to be a thing. I'm mostly mentioning the biscuits because the Milk Bar did a free biscuits thing the day the last episode aired. And... I couldn't go. There's literally a milk bar in LA that was doing it, but it was like 35 minutes away and I don't have a car and they would not deliver to me. So I was very sad that I missed the milk bar biscuits, but that is all my little like favorite tinier moments. Now we're going to get started. Obviously we're kicking it off with Ted. He's the main character. He's the titular character. We have to talk about him first. So my biggest thing with Ted, and this is going to sound strange, but I promise it like has a point to it. He weirdly felt a little bit like a background character in this season, but not in a bad way. And obviously, like, the show's named after him. He's the main character. You can't have him be a background character. But in comparison to season one, season one was so much of Ted and his adjustment to living in England and to coaching professional, coaching professional sports and then to coaching soccer, which is a sport that's new to him, and his divorce. Like, so much of it was, like, Ted-centered and, like, how is he adjusting? How is he dealing with life? Like, what's going on with him? And so much of this season felt like we were taking a step back from Ted and making space for all the other characters to flesh out their arcs, because we did. We got arcs with Rebecca in season one, we got arcs with Keely, we got arcs with Jamie, we got arcs with Roy, but it felt like they weren't as strong of arcs as what we got with Ted and his arc in season one. And so now it felt like we were stepping back and making place to like have that same Ted-level strength of an arc with all of our other lovely supporting characters in this season and I really actually appreciated that but we do see like Ted does have an arc in that we are finally seeing his growth and his relationship with therapy because he's so thrown initially with Dr. Sharon and how she immediately has this like amazing relationship with so many of the players and then Christmas is really really hard for him because he's like getting drunk alone and stuff but we live for the Christmas episode, and we live for the fact that Rebecca swoops in with her little high Ted Garland. It was so cute. But, like, 
shit's hard for Ted this season. He can't be there when Henry forgets his lunch. And, like, there's just these continual reminders about how hard everything is for Ted and, like, you know, seeing Henry play with the drone and not really being able to talk to him on Christmas and stuff. Like, it's a lot and it's hard for him. And we also see, like, the toll that it takes in some of his shittier moments. Like, when he won't let Nate talk to Isaac because he's, like oh, we need, like, a real big dog, so I'm going to bring in Roy, and, like, not even giving Nate the opportunity to attempt it and stuff. Like, not really being good to Nate. But Nate's a whole separate thing, and Nate will be the last thing we talk about in Ted Lasso. So my thoughts on Nate will be in next week's episode. I'm sorry. But Ted, you know, has his good moments, like when he talks about believing in wrong communism one of my favorite things this show has ever said because I live for rom-coms, clearly. If you've seen anything that I've posted on this podcast, you know I'm a huge, huge, huge rom-com person. And I appreciate that they were recognizing that. And I appreciate that we saw Ted, who's such a good paradigm of like breaking down toxic masculinity, we saw him being like, look, believe in rom-coms. Look at rom-coms as a way for life. Like It was so amazing to me and like so he has those moments but then also he has his moments where he's like talking about or not talking about but like being kind of shitty to Nate and then it all kind of starts to come to a head because he has the panic attack at the FA Cup game which I appreciate that we see the like his mental health is not necessarily just fixed because we started a new season like we see him having a panic attack at the karaoke club in season one and now that we're moving into season two It's not just, like, we wipe the slate clean. Like, his mental health is still a thing. And so, he tries to go to therapy. (laughs) He runs out of therapy a shit ton. And he gets super mad. And he doesn't know where to sit. And he's having all these problems. But he's trying. And I love that he's trying. And I love that we see a good representation of somebody who's struggling with therapy. Because therapy and getting yourself into therapy is hard. And with all the stigma that's around it. And so, I love that we, like saw this progression and saw how Ted like really had to work at it to get himself there but he does get himself there because him and Sharon bond when he has to take care of her after the bike accident and Ted opens up to the diamond dogs about his panic attack and then they all kind of have this like amazing circle of confessing shit which was really amazing and like he finally hits ahead and he calls Sharon after the Wembley loss and he's talking and admitting about how his dad committed suicide and it's kind of like the kickoff before he's actually like it it goes in stages but I feel like once he makes that phone call you know that he's like fully committed to the process because he's unloaded this on Sharon and then you know after his other panic attack before the funeral he finally is like really really opening up about like everything that happened with his dad which the story of him and his dad was just so so I don't even know what to say like just sad and heart-wrenching and gut-aching and it should have been gut-wrenching and heart-aching oops I'm gonna start saying heart-wrenching and gut-aching because I think that's fun anyways it's just so sad and terrible but good to see that he can finally open up about it and he finally has a safe space for it and you know he's actually really opening up and that scene too that he's opening up I mean And the entire show is crafted so masterfully. Like, I'm not a person that can look at TV shows and understand. Like, I'm not a, like, media person. I don't know about media. But, like, I'm not a, like, 
director or film major or film critic or like whatever I'm not that kind of person so I can't really look at these things like the only reason I know what the word inclusio is is because of Richmond Till We Die which is a Ted Lasso podcast that I absolutely live for everybody should go check them out but the way that scene was edited with the parallels of Ted talking about his dad's death and Rebecca explaining that she knew about her dad's cheating and stuff so good just so masterful the work that the Ted Lasso entire crew on Ted Lasso does is always just so amazing and then finally we see Ted and Sharon hug and Ted and Sassy part two happen which that's kind of why I'm thinking Sassy might be a bigger part of season three we might see Ted and Sassy round three could be good and then we do see like he's protecting Nate when the article about his panic attack comes out and so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out if Beard is ever going to snap because Beard really wanted to out Nate and stuff so that'll just be really interesting and then obviously he has to have a really good talk with the team when he talks about every choice is a chance it's not as good as his season one I think like the locker room in the last day it's I know it's not the last day and stuff but like, the locker room in the last day, like, you know, onward, forward, you're not sad and alone. Like, all of that, I think, was more, like, emotionally impactful. But every choice is a chance, which we love. And I think one of my favorite things was he uses his last press conference to talk about mental health and athletics because that's something that's, like, started to kind of been talked about. I think recently it's been eclipsed by the discussion of racism and athletics, which is fine, I think, We should make space for both of those to be things and both of those to be conversations that we're proactively having and ongoingly having, but he does talk about mental health and athletics, and it's great. A couple tiny little fun things about Ted this season that I had to obviously include. Led Tasso, touch your toes. Now touch each other's toes and run a thousand laps. Like, Led Tasso killed me. And then he's trying to share all these facts about Wembley when he's at Wembley, but they're all wrong because the history of Wembley is, like, confusing as fuck. And he's teaching the team the dance to bye, 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 and he knows it. And he's like, no, 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 it's like this. And he's, like, demonstrating so good. And one year later, Rebecca's back in Ted's office telling her a truth bomb. So, like, what is the truth bomb going to be for season three? That'll be interesting to know, to find out, to see what they're building towards. So, yeah, that's all I have to say on Ted obviously one of the best characters one of my favorite characters there's not a character in this show that I don't like and so I love Ted and real quick I do need to apologize that my fridge started running my fridge likes to make noise so if you hear random noises in the background that is my fridge so now that we've talked about Ted obviously the next person we're going to talk about is Beard like duh he Beard continues to be the best enigma in this show, and we have a little bit, like, dug into his character with the, like, Beard-centered episode. I think it was, like, episode 9 or something. Like, one of the two extra episodes from this season. But it'll be interesting to see where he goes, because we started to dig into his character a little bit, but just because we saw Beard after hours doesn't mean we know Beard. Like, with a bunch of our other characters, we're getting long histories of them and seeing them and doing all these things, but... With Beard, it's just kind of like, you got to see his, like, after-hours activities, but you don't get to see his, like, story and his past. He's never talked about his past ever. And so, it'll be interesting to see where that goes, but 
Beard is great. He's great because he uses soccer girl Shannon to deliver Ted's coffee when he can't, and I loved seeing her again. Him and Jane is definitely a big thing, and, like, this is one of my favorite Higgins moments when Higgin, like, finally steps up and is, like, talking to Beard and is like, I think that your relationship is maybe toxic and harmful, and I love seeing the dynamic between Higgins and Beard, and I'd love to see it continue. And I loved Higgins's line. He asked, like, does your partner make you greater? And like I said earlier, Beard is kind of on to Nate. And he, like, tells Nate to do better and stuff. And, like, he knows it was Nate with a panic attack. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the beginning stages of season three. Like, is he going to out Nate? Is he going to, like, usurp Ted? Because we saw with season one, he got mad and he yelled at Ted. And he was like, yo, winning and losing matters. Like, these are professional athletes. So is he going to come for Nate in season three? He kicks Jamie's dad out of Wembley, which was maybe one of his best moments because, like, fuck Jamie's dad. And we see him reading Inverting the Pyramid again. So I love that we see him doing that and see him, like, I don't really know what that means, but, like, I love that we saw that again. And then the biggest thing about Beard, like I said, was the Beard episode. And I love that they did this. I love the slower cover of the intro song when he's sitting on the train to kick it off. Not my favorite intro, but, like, I love that they changed it up and stuff for Beard specifically. We see he's kind of struggling mentally too so maybe we'll see some relationship between him and Sharon next season or maybe we'll see him open up more to the diamond dogs like it'll be interesting because we see a lot of mental struggles and we see a lot of like strife with his relationship with Jane because I'm not really a huge fan of his relationship with Jane I think that relationship is kind of toxic and that beard should get out but I don't necessarily know that he will so that'll be interesting to see how that goes the entire episode was just, like, a shit show, but so hilarious, though, because, like, he sneaks in the fancy club with kind of an anchorman and totally, like, pretends to be this Oxford professor to, like, cover up their lie, and he, like, gets those pants and is, like, running from that girl's boyfriend, but then that boyfriend ends up saving him from Jamie's fucking dad, and he ends up in the church, and he goes, hey, God, long-time listener, first-time caller, which cracked me the fuck up. That might have been one of my favorite lines from this entire season because I was just, like, dying laughing when that happened. And then it was so adorable when he sends the Crown and Anchor boys to Nelson Road and they're getting to run around on the pitch. And then <laughs> we get to watch the game back at the end of this episode and we see it just going at 10 times speed with the like like that music with it so it's just like beard was so fun and funny but there's not a lot to like dig in well there is a lot to dig into his character but there's not a lot of obvious things to dig into his character because he's so mysterious so i love him and i live for him and it'll be really interesting to see where he goes with season three because this was another one where i felt like he kind of like ted faded into the background a little bit, which I know is, like, a bold thing to say considering they gave him his own, like, episode of the show, but like I said, we're starting to maybe dig away a little bit at Beard, but there's still so much more that we need to see, so I can't wait to see it and to dig into more of it and to just have a good time and to see Beard be crazy, and hopefully those pants make a return in season three because I live for those pants. Okay, so now that we've talked about Ted and Beard, the next obvious progression is to talk about Roy and Keeley. And I know it's not really fair to lump Roy and Keeley together. They're separate people. They're not defined by their relationship. But also it's Roy and Keeley and so I wanted to throw them together because I live for them and I live for their relationship. So 
Starting off with the fact that Roy is coaching Phoebe's team. <laughs> this had me dying with the way that, like, he made all these little comments about it. Like, oh, we should have won the game, but, like, a girl got a goal chalked off because nine-year-olds aren't allowed to do headers anymore. Fucking brain development. And Phoebe gets a red card for, like, elbowing a girl in the neck, and Roy's, like, very proud of her, and he's constantly swearing around the kids, and he's, like, just... It's so funny, especially because the kids are so receptive to it, too, and it's just so, like, amazing and great. And he has, like, $1,000 in debt to Phoebe's swear jar. And then, like, later on we see because of his connection with Phoebe, like, Roy and Rebecca, like, bond over Phoebe and Nora because Rebecca's struggling to bond with Nora again. And so now, like, Roy's giving her advice. And speaking of Roy giving advice, there's nothing wrong with fine but you don't deserve fine. You deserve someone who makes you feel like you've been struck by fucking lightning. Yes. Yes. All of it. Every single piece of it. I love it. We already knew Roy was the best, but after that line, and that line comes literally, I think, in, like, episode one, like, oh, Roy, you're just the best. It's just, he's so good. I love him so much. And speaking of things that are the best, Miss Keely Jones getting herself off to Roy's retirement press conference is hilarious. And it was very funny because I was listening to Men in Blazers, which is a soccer podcast. And for those of you who are Americans who are Ted Lasso fans but not super big soccer fans, listen to Men in Blazers because they're very big on like promoting the growth of the sport, soccer in America. But I was listening to them and they were talking about how Messi had his whole like retirement podcast but it or podcast his whole like little retiring from Barcelona conference and they were talking about because it came out like around the time the Ted Lasso episode with that came out and so they were talking about the parallels between that and it just made me laugh and speaking of parallels the parallels between Keeley's rock locker room entrance in season one and how she behaves in the locker room in season one and now her locker room etiquette in season two was really beautiful to see like the growth in her character for that I loved that and then obviously the Christmas episode happens and they have to deal with Phoebe's really really bad breath but they use it to recreate the scene from love actually which I don't even like love actually like I have an episode on love actually so you can go listen to that if you want to hear all my thoughts but I lived for them recreating the scene. It was so, so, so funny. And, it, like, just I lived for all of the, like, rom-com references across the season and for all of the, like, things that happened in the Christmas episode. Just amazing. And speaking of amazing, Ted tracks Roy down at his kebab place, which is, like, his church, but then... Roy takes Isaac to the pickup game and it really works and that's such a like cliche thing for sports movies but I was not mad at it like it was fun and I had a great time watching it and then Roy's like doing his punditry and he realizes he fucking misses Richmond so he runs for the grand gesture to try to get his ass to Nelson Road and he has like tickets under Reba McIntyre or something and she was tweeting about that and it was just it was so fun and obviously we all chant he's here he's there he's every fucking where Roy can Roy can oh 
such a good chant. I love that they included like football chants with this because we live for football culture. Okay. We don't live for all aspects of football fan culture because a lot of aspects of football fan culture are toxic. We live for the positive aspects of it. And one of those positive aspects of it is chanting and creating songs and singing and having a great old time. So live for that one. (laughs) Then Roy tries to like refuse to be a diamond dog, but then he actually participates in a meeting and realizes how cool it is. And he like has this whole growth moment and it's amazing. And then he won't coach Jamie But it's ultimately the key to Jamie's success and ultimately, like, the growth in their relationship this season, which I'll talk about more with Jamie, which will be next week. Jamie will kick off next week's episode. But the growth in their relationship might have been one of my favorite things in this season. I think I've said that something might have been one of my favorite things in this season so many times that y'all won't believe me, but, like, Everything in this show is one of my favorite things that happened this season because the show itself is just so amazing and lovely and beautiful. And, yeah. So, I love their growth in the relationship. I love that he's like, you need to actually be a prick sometimes. And so, the signal during a game to have him be a prick is to have the entire coaching staff flip Jamie off, which was amazing. And then we also get to see more of Keely and Roy's relationship, which obviously we knew was going to happen. They got together towards the end of season one. So now in season two, we're getting to see the growth of their relationship. And I love how real their relationship is because we see, like, Keely being suffocated by Roy. But then, like, he's willing to go away and not distract her. And she's like, oh, my God, that's so fucking hot and just jumps his bones right then. And then she finally, like, bursts in the boot room, and it's this whole thing. And then Jamie's right at practice, which Jamie was actually right. Like, looking at that scene from a soccer perspective, Jamie does need to drag his man away more than he does need to, like, be there for the rebound. So Jamie was very right. And then Roy's like, oh, shit, he was right. And, like, it's a whole thing. And then we see, like, the apology and the, like, Roy's sorry uh, for suffocating Keely playlist And then we see his, like, insecurities about being a bad influence on Phoebe. So, like, maybe are they going to have kids? Is he going to be, like, insecure about being a bad dad in season three? Is that what's going to happen? But it just, the reality of their relationship is something I appreciate so much. Because I think this is something that we miss a little bit with books. Especially with rom-coms, because rom-coms are so much, like, how are the characters getting together? Like, not a lot of rom-coms are, like, the characters are married and have two kids and are struggling. Well, romance book club. But even then, it's about, like, re-wooing the person because that's what you want to read. You want to read the fun, like, flitty feelings of falling in love. You don't want to read, like, going to couples therapy. And so actually getting to see the insecurities and the feeling suffocated and, like, the weird moments that they had with other people and having other people tell you they're in love with you and just, like, all the realities of being in a relationship that happened to them. I love that we actually got to see that on the screen. And Keely also has, like, amazing growth, too, because she goes to Vanity Fair and gets to be in Vanity Fair. And Roy tells her that she's Keely Jones, the independent woman, which made me cry. I live for that scene. Keely Jones, the independent woman. Can you elaborate on the hip movement that makes your penis feel like it has a curve in it? (laughs) Why is that the one I remember? Oh, it, it actually makes a lot of sense why that's the one that I remember. But she's like in Vanity Fair in the photo shoot. The fucking photo shoot. 
or like right in the middle of it they're confessing all this shit to each other and it's like so deeply emotional but it's so emotional for only them two because they're the only two in the scene even though there's so many people around like (sighs) and then speaking of things that make me sigh keely gets to start her own pr firm and everyone's super supportive and roy plans this amazing six-week vacation with really really good wi-fi in their villa so keely can do all her work but she can't fucking go And I was not okay with that because you ended the first season with them getting together and being super happy. And now you're ending the second season with, like, their relationship a little bit up in the air. Especially because Jamie has just said that he loves her. And, like, we get it. Jamie apologized and he's not going to make a move on Keely. And we don't want Keely and Jamie back together. Goddamn. But what is that going to do? Because, ugh. And I just was not okay because they're my favorite couple. And... I didn't want them to be hurt, and I didn't want them to be hurting, and we already see them go through so many, like, real-life moments. I was like, you just have to end with them being okay, right? But they didn't, and so it was a lot. It was, like, really a lot, and I didn't like it that much, but it's what it is, I guess. Oh, I'm scared to see how that pans out in season three, because I just want them to be happy and to be together, because they're the best. So, yeah, but overall, I really, really loved the growth because like we saw a lot of Roy growth last season but we like really see a lot of Roy growth like as him dealing with like not being a player anymore and we see a lot more of Keely and her growth and just like being this boss ass bitch with like her PR stuff and being amazing like it's just it's so good and I love both of them so much and now finally last up for part one of this episode or episode part one of this like little mini series of my ted lasso analysis um dr sharon i love that we brought in a team psychologist i love that higgins had that whole moment with ted about like the reverse psychology thing where higgins was like shit i'm sorry i should have asked and ted was like no you're a director of football you need to like make decisions without running them by me and like that was so funny i love that (laughs) she doesn't eat sugar So she doesn't eat the biscuits and then Rebecca gets her a gift basket full of bottled water and Keely's like, there's so many other things that don't have sugar in them. Like, there's just so many funny, like, tangential moments. And also it's so important that, like, Ted talked about his press conference with mental health and athletics and we are seeing more like talk about mental health and athletics and we see like Ted's need for therapy and we see a lot of different characters need for therapy and so I really did appreciate that like we were bringing in a team psychologist and we were exploring that dynamic and she has some really good quotes too like she talks about the truth will set you free but it will piss you off first and she says I can't be your mentor without occasionally being your tormentor so like she's really really good and amazing and I love her and I love seeing how she's like open up and Ted has to like finally take care of her after her bike accident so she has to learn to be vulnerable and like we see her talking to like her therapist a little bit and I'm interested to see if they're setting up for Sharon having a drinking problem Because that was the very obvious thing about going to her apartment was how many, like, bottles of wine she had open and how, like, solitary her life experience felt living alone and stuff. And so it'll be interesting, hopefully interesting to see and hopefully not, like, gut-wrenching and heart, nope, heart-wrenching and gut-aching to see that because I don't want to see her, like, struggle 
I mean, I'm sure she's going to struggle. Like, every character that's in Ted Lasso struggles. But, like, or I don't want to see it. Like, I don't want to see her, like, spiral and, like, wind up back in the team's clutches because she needs, like, support or a sponsor or something. I want to see her, like, succeed and then come back because the team needs her. But that'll be interesting to see. I love when she was like, oh, I hate tea. And Ted finally found, like, a compatriot in that. And, like, she does actually start opening up to Ted. But then she tries to leave without saying goodbye. And it's this whole thing. And her letter is so touching, but then Ted gets to, like, pull a switch on her and, like, leave without saying goodbye, and he, like, puts the little army man in the beer glass for her, and it's just so cute, and I love her character, and I love her strong-willedness, and I love how she's, like, initially she's, like, no, call me doctor, and then she finally is, like, okay, you've earned the respect, like, you can call me doc and stuff, and, like, it just, she's such a good character and made such an impact on the team and the characters that I can't wait to see what impact she continues to have. So that is all we're talking about for episode one of my little two-part Ted Lasso miniseries. Also, this episode and next episode are coming out on Fridays, so I'm returning to having two episodes a week just for the fact that it's Ted Lasso and it's one of my favorite shows, and if I'm going to do two episodes a week for anything, it's going to be Ted Lasso, but this is literally coming out my midterms week, so y'all better be thankful um but yeah we talked about some pretty big characters we're gonna talk about the rest of the characters my hopes for season three my thoughts on all the soccer stuff because clearly you can't let me talk about Ted Lasso not talk about the soccer stuff so next episode's gonna be a lot too but it's gonna be really good and I can't wait to talk about it I can't wait to see season three I just I can't wait for anything Ted Lasso related because I fucking love it so yeah I have been Maya Ghosh, and this has been the first half of my take on the Apple TV Plus show that's sweeping the nation, Ted Lasso Season 2. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.